When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You guys always love hearing from this guy. John Amici is joining us now from London. It's a little noisy where he is, so bear with us because he's got a courtyard. and We cannot turn the sound down on his courtyard, but always delighted to catch up with John Amici and want to start with something a little lighter than usual instead of the heavy stuff. I know you've got some real strong geekery when it comes to the Star Wars franchise. I didn't know whether you had some geekery in other realms as well. Yes, yes. Marvel Universe, excellent. DC Universe, less so, though I'm here for Wonder Woman. So tell me what you like best. I don't know much about this world. This is not How for is me. How is this possible? How is it possible? Especially for you. You are the archetypal. I expect you to go home at night, if I didn't know you better. If I looked at you, I'd be like, you are home at night. You are shooting people in the face on a video game. And, and swearing at 14-year-olds who are beating you. That's what I would have imagined. But the Marvel Universe is excellent. I like all that kind of stuff. It's escapism. I'm just, I can't spend my days doing the work I do and then watch 12 Years a Slave or something. I just, I just can't do it. I, I, need, I need it to be something a bit more escapist. It's, you know, comic books is deeply flawed. There's lots of, uh, I don't know what you call them, but like comic book bros. So it's quite a misogynistic and often sexist world uh, of the people who enjoy them. But there's a there's a good geek group who who just like the idea of everybody in the world knows that there's monsters under the bed. You know, everybody in the world knows that there's horrible stuff out there. And it's just lovely to read about people who have power and don't misuse it quite so often or people who have power and misuse it, who are opposed by people who have power and use it. But, Mike, I want to have an argument between you and Meech about some terribly polarizing Marvel thing, weren't you? You Were were you ripping Zack Snyder? Were you yeah, ripping? Yeah, I actually think Meech and I are aligned. I like to poke around, like, why you don't like comic book movies, because it's always been a thing. And outside of it just not really appealing to you, is part of you feeling that it's too late to jump in now? Because I've watched every single Marvel film, and I'm constantly Googling like, what does this mean? What are they trying to tell me in Loki? Who's dead? Who's real? We have all these different timelines now, and I don't really think it's inclusive anymore. You have to follow dozens and dozens of movies, and it expects you to remember every piece. I think we're, we're starting to go far. Only if you're a geek, right? Only if you're only if you're if you're really invested. But if you're really invested, you'll be frustrated by the differences between the comics and the movies that they make out of the comics. I, I just, I dropped into halfway through, Wonder Woman was on terrestrial television here in, in, in the UK. I dropped in halfway through after work the other day and was perfectly happy with the kind of, that's all right. The new one that came out, you know, it wasn't awesome, but it was all right. It was terrible. The, the Snyderverse, it wasn't terrible. It was terrible. It wasn't terrible. Oh, I, me, I, know why, I know why a lot of comic loving bros don't like it. Because no superhero film in their mind should end with a woman winning by talking 
That's really yeah, the fundamental. No. I mean, no, my problem with it, it was Chris Pine pretending to be marveled by the amazing train transportation, but has no problem using other aspects of modern technology. They forget yeah, I, themselves. I, I agree what with you. Era there were, there were flaws. There were, it's not. It's not by no means my favorite, but you know the DC universe struggles. I like Aquaman. It's incredibly silly. Um, uh, he's Meech, Meech. That's worthwhile. He, he is beautiful. He is he's incredible. Jason Momoa is Momoa incredible. Momoa is beautiful. Yeah, uh, a beautiful man, and you can watch him with his hair waving at any time. I think what they the DC universe likes to trick us with these subpar movies that, by comparison to some of the worst of the worst of DC, are just like marginally okay. And that's sort of the the realm that Aquaman and Wonder Woman occupy for me. I'm like, by great movie comic book movie standards, they are not good. But when you compare it to the trash that Zack Snyder put out, who I think in his third try and with three additional hours finally made a movie that I was like, that's okay. I guess it's an improvement on what he's tried to do before. It he was is, a radical improvement I mean, on what was done before, just more, because what was done before was so poor. Meech, yeah, that says more about what happened before than that actual film. There is something about this, though. I mean, nobody cares about this, so we'll just keep talking. Uh, there is something about this, though, where Superman is a hard character to put into live action, right? Because he's too powerful in the domestic terrain. He's just too powerful. You know, the idea that he gets wounded by somebody with a kryptonite bullet is so ridiculous for a man who moves faster than the Flash. So it's ridiculous. I like, I saw a commentary uh, of superheroes once. And what's amazing is that most superheroes are, they have a, an actual persona. They are a billionaire. They are, a, a, they work in a, a forensic lab and then their alter ego is their superhero. What's interesting about Superman is he's the opposite way around. He's actually Superman and his alter ego is Clark Kent. And the thing I love about Superman that I think is an indictment of humanity is at least from the perspective of the character is the idea that the image he portrays of Superman, especially if you remember the original Superman's, uh, the original Superman films anyway, this bumbling, incompetent, um, dull. That's what he thinks people are. That's why he created that persona and not something else. I think that's amazing. Every time you look at Superman, his alter ego is a statement about what he thinks humanity is. I did not grow up with any of this. When you ask me, I think this is part of what ends up being the appeal of sports and things like this is it speaks to a part of your childhood that uh, that gives you a connection point with a lot of other kids. This is not comic books were not in any way. I never saw a comic book growing up, so I don't have access to this. And my question might be remedial, but when you see Ta-Nehisi Coates tackle the Superman character when it's that difficult, and you're talking about the James Baldwin of our time, when he attacks that, did he or does he do it well? We work with some people who make films, and so I, I, I am hoping to be able to observe this a little closer than I might normally. I think he can, but the question is, in America right now, I think this is going to cause a lot of problems. The idea, even though it's canon, even though this kind of alternative dimension, son of uh, son of Zod version of Black Superman, I can't imagine that's going to go over well with a lot of people. I think he can do it well, 
I think people are going to hate it and I'm going to love it. Are you a follower of his work? Because he has been, he came onto the scene. I believe he became someone who was very popular with white America, white liberals, and came into the consciousness with his article for the Atlantic on reparations and what a strong argument he made on behalf of reparations. One of the yeah. finest one any of us have ever seen. So your, your your general thoughts on his work, because I have found him fascinating. He used to be on the show all the time, but then he retreated from fame because it was legitimately getting in the way of his work, of his ability to think to be a craftsman because the intoxicants and the temptations of fame are hard for any man. And I saw great nobility in him deciding, you know what, I can't do the work that I aspire to from this space being too famous. I've never, I've never met him. I've read a lot of his work, a lot of his short works, especially, and I've seen a lot of his. Um, he, he does some amazing, uh, uh, like book launch, book support tours where he talks extensively. It, you know, he he understands that in order to talk about issues that are spiky, he must be the most eloquent, and the way he uses words must be the most acceptable to a broader white audience. So I think he does that really well, without ever well, at least to me, without alienating uh, a core audience of, of Black and African-American people who follow him. I, I think he's remarkable and brilliant. Uh, I think he's one of a number of remarkable and brilliant Black academics out there. I love the fact that he does supposedly frivolous stuff like the Black Panther uh, comic series that he wrote um, and authored and that I bought and I still have. I love the fact that he's going to be involved in this project because I think if there's anybody who can do this in a way that doesn't make everybody hate Superman, it's probably him. A lot has changed over the years, kind of like who's the best hockey team in Florida. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste in Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Right now, the great debate is if my team will make it past the second round. We can find about this all throughout the series, but there's one thing that's for sure. I'll be yelling at all of you while drinking a nice ice-cold can of Miller Lite. It's my preferred light beer when arguing about sports with other people. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com beach. B-E-A-C-H. Or you can get it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I don't know if you are up to date on this issue being where you are, but I'm hoping that you have caught some wind because I believe this is a place where you will have a lot of curiosity stimulated of this silly American ESPN soap opera that the New York Times wrote about because I've been eager to get your thoughts on this. It, there are a lot of layers on this one. 
I have read up about it. I, I saw it. Somebody on my came to me on Twitter and said, I'm going to have a take on this. And I was like, well, I, I don't know anything about it. So I did look it up. There are, it's interesting layers to this, right? The idea of the creepiness of of someone observing a hot mic and not realizing this is a hot mic and perhaps I should turn this hot mic off um, or realizing that something has been captured in the background and it's on a server and perhaps it shouldn't be distributed. It just feels like there's a ton of stuff here that is an abject disrespect for this woman as well as the disrespect that Nichols showed for her colleague. Isn't it amazing we're still in this place where people are still doing this tired old canard of you only got the job because you only got the job because that you, you're a black person, you're a woman, you're whatever else. And, and then last time I was on, we talked about this idea that there is a system in place that allows people who are all marginalized, all targets of some kind of oppression to believe that the actual enemy is someone else who's also a target of oppression, instead of realizing that there is no winning in this. There is no winning by trying to chop down someone else who has less opportunity, who is the target of oppression. And yet here is, is just this classic example, there's privilege again. Even though it's layered, intersected with gender, there's still privilege there that says, if there is a job going for a woman, it should go to a white woman. And a black woman who shows up probably didn't earn it. And then to have that conversation so boldly with the representative of LeBron James. It just seems crazy. It's crazy. The privacy elements of that story. I feel like a lot of people don't listen to me. Once you get your gotcha moment that embarrasses somebody, I don't think that people care very much about whether someone had their privacy or not. And I don't want that privacy for Rachel Nichols in her moment of shame. I want the privacy for all of us because the the infringement on the privacy to me is really problematic. But I don't find that I get a lot of allies on this one because they enjoy eating up the soap opera so much that they bypass the privacy elements of this that are problematic. They do bypass it, and I think it's a dangerous thing to do. People like to believe that because someone's in the public eye, then the rules don't apply, but the rules should apply. Not, not disproportionately. You shouldn't have more privacy because you're in the public eye. You should have the same amount of privacy, even though you're in the public eye. And certainly when it comes to something like this, this is actually a technical policy thing. Uh, you know, if I put my HR head on, somebody should be fired for this because and I'm not talking about either of the, the journalists involved. I'm talking about somebody in the background and probably multiple people because people would have been told and not said anything. According to the policies of most organizations, you should be fired for disseminating information that is gathered in the course of work in a non-work context. So to me, that's just one of those things. You, that's a basic thing. The other side of this on, on her part is that I'm looking at her picture on the New York Times page here. The other part with Rachel Nichols is that how do you not realize that you're always being observed? I assume that I'm always observed. I have little flip physical cameras over cameras, even though I'm told that the software is absolutely, you can't get by it. We've got physical locks, physical um, uh, mute switches that we can do. Uh, to make sure that what is said doesn't go any further. It's just, I assume somebody's always watching when I'm on my terrace upstairs. I assume because I live in the center of London, 
if I'm doing stuff on my terrace, somebody could be watching. And I don't understand the kind of, it is privilege, the idea that you imagine that a conversation like that, as inflammatory as that, as laden with aggression and microaggressions as that was, with that individual will be a conversation that goes no further. That's like idiots who think that when you tell a reporter, except for you and me, of course, you are a prime example of being able to say off the record and actually mean something. Uh, otherwise, you would have had a great scoop about, I don't know, 20 years ago. Um, but <laughs> it would have been a good one. I it would have been I, a good I, one. I mean, I really, I really could have made my career off of betraying you there. You you could. You could. And, and, and the part of the reason we still talk is because you didn't. Um, I do think, though, but, that history but, would have looked back very poorly on all of that, and I, <laughs> it would have been a great shame. Whatever whatever profit there was to get from betraying you in that moment, I think, would have been really seismically awful to, you know, sleep at night the rest, <laughs> the rest of my life. Uh, you see, you are one of those unfortunate beings where a conscience exists. So maybe if you just get rid of that, then there's no problem. I think it's probably harder to laugh along with you and Stugatz, though, if uh, if in the back of your mind you have that. But you mentioned something that didn't occur to me, and I can be naive that way. I've been on television for a long time, and I don't assume that I'm always being watched. And it's not just because of naivete. It's because you've had good reasons to be distrustful of everyone your entire life. It's true, but I'll tell you, the lesson that I learned was not actually the idea of kind of trying to protect my identity and not tell because that part I became increasingly cavalier about. It's only people like you who just couldn't tell. Um, but it was actually, it was training. I used to train in um, Arizona in, in the summertime, and I had this trainer called Warren Anderson. He was brilliant, absolutely, absolutely brilliant. We trained at this Wrigley Mansion, which is a, a gym inside the old where the chewing gum bloke had a house and a bunch of other pros there. And I remember being in a session um, and I, it's a skill session and we're going hard and, and, and I'm, I'm shooting and doing some stuff. And there's a bunch of other athletes around pros are around NBA players around doing stuff at different stations. And I'm, I'm just looking around and doing that thing that I think we've all done from time to time. You look around and you see, there's no eyes on you. So you don't dial back from 100% to like 70, but you just dial back to 97, give yourself a, just a breath. And I did that and went through the session. Great. I ended the session and I was walking out the gym. I said, right, Warren, see you later. And he came up to me and he just tapped me on the shoulder and he said, you're always being observed. And it's never left me. I'm on my roof. I'm walking out the house. Everywhere I go, I'm in a tube. I'm, I'm always aware. Even when I'm incendiary at somebody, as I was with some idiot the other day who, who clearly was an anti-vaxxer outside my house, I'm just aware that in that moment, the most satisfying thing, and I'm, I think this is part of Rachel's problem, the most satisfying thing is to just lay into somebody with somebody who's letting you do it. But the consequences, when observed, any context, if there is an ameliorating one, is gone. It's just some massive bloke yelling at a tiny person with a stupid sign. I wasn't even doing, though, distrust because you've had a secret of being gay. You've been 6'10 and black for a really long time. Like, you you always feel like there are eyes on you. It, th no, that, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. I just think, you know, that's probably an additional element to it. Now, now you mention it. That's an additional part, the idea that you always know that if there's trouble, if there's a if there's a problem, if there's a misunderstanding, 
you will be assumed to be the protagonist in that. You will be assumed to be the the person causing that trouble. I just, I don't understand how someone who works in the media doesn't understand how that works. I just, I could be proven wrong, but I don't think I've ever been indiscreet in an interview. I don't think I've ever rolled into an interview where I've been like, yeah, this is fine. Even the other day we did something and we'd been taping the whole time, but Zoom told me, it was like, yeah, this is being recorded when I, the moment I arrived. And so I was under no illusions that whilst I thought you might not use it, even though it was, I think, funny, um, you did use it, but I was under no illusions that it could be used and it would be taped. And that's what I don't understand here. But also aim at the right enemy for the for the love of all, aim at the right enemy. You look at ESPN and really it's one black woman is the problem. That's that's your impediment to the kind of success that you think your skill demands is another black woman. That's the impediment. Come on. John, I feel like in seeing that story explode, I thought there were seven or eight things in it that were more macro relevant than the soap opera thing that captured everyone's attention. You've got a white LeBron advisor telling you he's exhausted by Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement. I don't know if you're LeBron James, how that person still works for you. He wouldn't work for me. He wouldn't be working for me anymore. I'm not I'm not here for people who, who want to pretend that the last 408 days since George Floyd was murdered is somehow, however many thousands of days it is since Breonna Taylor, however many tens of thousands of days since the original injustices. I'm not here for any, certainly no white man in a position of that authority to tell me that this has been exhausting for them. Good Lord. Try, I mean, this is where empathy is just absent. You know, I, I can't speak for Roy. I can't speak for any other black person, but I know that I wake up furious. Like, not, not, ooh, this is frustrating. It's not frustrating. You know how tired you are? How tired you get? You see kids, right? They get so angry that it exhausts them. That's it. You wake up every morning and you think, oh my God. It's like rage is trying to strangle me. And then you hear this bloke who doesn't get stopped in search three times a year, who has a really good job, who, who works in the, in the aura of a god of sport, and he's tired? Come on. When you read that the National Association of Black Journalists are outraged after the Rachel Nichols video and demand a meeting with Disney and ESPN executives, you are someone who changes cultures, who goes in and is a therapist for corporations. You go in and advise Disney and ESPN what after this story? Have the meeting create some create some um, contracting around the meeting so that you're not saying that this is a meeting where you are going to decide on, on, a, on a piece of action. It is not a meeting where you're going to sit and be given an ultimatum for a piece of action. It is a meeting where you want to hear the reflections here of a, of a group of journalists, or at least the representative voice of a group of black journalists, because you think that, that is the respectful and right thing to do. 
you acknowledge the parts of this that are easy to acknowledge. There are numerous failings here, systemic failings of the recording and other things. You can acknowledge the failings when you when you realize that colleagues talking to each other in this kind of manner is unacceptable. The racial dimensions of this and the microaggressions that were heard in that video add an additional layer to that. But you make it a point that this is a matter that will be dealt with through the normal people process and you are listening. That's what you do. It's a, it'll be a deeply unpopular uh, thing to say, but it'll be the smart thing to do. The problem that Disney and ESPN, and again, uh, it's really interesting. I was having a conversation with a very, uh, very interesting bloke the other day about this company. And in, in his mind, the situation goes so much deeper than this kind of triviality. And it's not about representation. It's not just about an absence of certain types of faces in certain places. It's the idea that that culture, that bro culture that I talked about with, with comic book fans, that, that is layered with misogyny and racism. That's the culture of sport business, not of sport players, but of sport business. The infantilization of athletes, the idea that they should do what they're told. And yes, the NBA is different in some respects, better in some respects, than especially when you compare it to the NFL, for example. But that runs deep through sport business, and that's what needs to be fixed. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. That's one of the macro things that I feel got missed, that this was something that was festering for a year. You've got unrest that has not been quiet from your minority employees inside the building. and Absence yet of leadership, Dan. Absence of leadership, right? When, Why don't people have these difficult conversations before they become difficult in the first place? But then when there is something that's obvious, if there is... You know, I, I see, I can only see Roy and you on the screen, but if I see Roy and you and, and, and over time I watch and there's this friction happening, at some point I'm like, look, you're both talented, amazing people. We need you. This can't continue. And so you have to have a really structured conversation saying, Dan, what stuff are you doing that's being assholeish? Roy, what stuff are you doing? What commitments are we going to make to make sure that this doesn't go? What words need to be said now? And then what actions need to be taken? This is just basic. It's not even leadership, actually. It's just management. It's just management. Don't you find all the time, though, that corporations lack management, lack leadership, and what you're identifying there is you've got to sign up for an uncomfortable confrontation or an uncomfortable conversation or possibly a confrontation, and yeah. nobody wants to choose that. Yeah, it's what it is is accurately friction, right? It's not even... It's not necessarily conflict. If you if you catch it before this video comes out, it's not necessarily conflict. It's friction. It's super uncomfortable, but nothing. There is no movement without frictions. We always tell people this. There's no movement without friction. So there's no point in pretending that you can have high-performing environments without pain. That's why athletes sit in ice baths, because you can't do 100 games a year 
without some kind of damage happening to you. That's going to be the nature of high-performance environments. It's how you manage that damage. And what you don't do is wait until your calf tears. What you don't do is wait until you get some kind of serious injury before you intervene. What you do is you say, I need you to come to me and tell me if you've got a tweak, because if you've got a tweak, we'll start with some simple massage, we'll do some stretching, maybe some yoga. So you can actually start to intervene before this friction, before this tweak turns into something that's going to be devastating and have you out for the season. What were your thoughts on everything that happened with Shakari Richardson? Where oh, come on, come on, come on. Oh my God. Talk about the, you know, this is a sport business right now. Are you kidding me? It's just incredible to me. Firstly, can we stop pretending that pot is some kind of slippy slope to living in a K-hole for the rest of your life? Because it's just not, right? The NBA, good Lord, I didn't, and I wish I had smoked pot when I was in the NBA. Really wish I had, because I was in pain every day. Every day I'm in pain now. If I was if I was in a place where I could get hold of it, I'd be all about pot gummies. That would be my evening with a glass of wine. Thank you very much. This is an analgesic thing. I'm not trying to, to follow the white rabbit. I just need to not be in pain. And this woman was in pain. Not only the, the pain, the physical pain of the, of the torture that athletes put their body through, but finding out that a family member had passed away. If she'd medicated herself with wine that night, nobody would have said anything. It's not performance enhancing. Why does the Athletics Association have any domain about it? It's simply a way, it's the, it's the NBA in the 90s, in my era. You know when they were all about, no, no, you must wear a suit and tie, that bollocks. It's all about the kind of performative professionalism of it. And I'm sorry, it's ridiculous in an environment where they have essentially facilitated an arms race of performance enhancing drugs. In an environment where it's definitely illegal to take this drug or that drug, it's definitely against the morals of the sport somehow, but you can still go and stand on top of Table Mountain and do your exercise there, but at, you know, altitude doping is no problem. It's ridiculous. This in an era where we've got men who look like birds, who cycle for, for, for days on end, as if that's natural. Oh, that woman, she gives me life. When I, I don't, you know, I don't care about sports. I watched her and that clip, I have it on my, my, my desktop, that clip of her running and running and the focus is pure. And then there's a point where she realizes this is mine. And she points. I was like, ah, you give me life. And now she won't go to Tokyo. By the way, nobody should be going to Tokyo. That game should not be on right now. Just like the bloody World Cup shouldn't have 60,000 people in stadiums because the pandemic's not over. But anyway, she's going to be denied that with a cycle so long that who knows if we'll ever get to see her brilliance again because she smoked some pot. And she, if I get hold of some edibles, she can sit with me anytime. John, when you talk about what it takes to get there, to that moment that gives you life, the effort, what it is required 
you know as a professional athlete how much diligence to get to something that is worked for like that through that pain for four years to have it taken away from you over something that antiquated and a morality specifically headed into the games as you say that we're only having because of money because i I think most responsible people would tell you, and Japan, the Japanese are super concerned about this. They shouldn't be having those games, but they don't even have the choice, John. It is not Japan's choice. The contract makes it so it's only the IOC's choice. Yeah, because it's always sensible to have old guys with no medical qualifications make decisions about public health. It's crazy. Can I also point out that if this woman looked different, you know the point I made about Tanahasi Coates and me? relatively light-skinned black guys, him less so than me, who speak in a way that is, uh, some of your audience often say uh, that when the first time they hear me, until they go to my Twitter or something, they don't even realize that I'm a black person. British accent, too many syllables in my words, and of course I'm white. If she looks different, if her nails were were shorter and less colorful, her hair the same, if she spoke differently, I'm not sure she doesn't go. I'm not sure the same decision is made about her. And how ridiculous is it, by the way, that we're in a, in America at least, some of the very same people who were the architects of laws against marijuana use, not sale, use, that put hundreds of thousands of black people into jail are now sitting on the boards of legal marijuana organizations. People like Speaker Boehner, whose name you can only say with a spit. It's outrageous that we're in this place. And and people will say not everything's layered with race. Drug policy is layered with race. Because you can look at the differentials. White people smoke as much pot as black people, actually slightly more per capita. But their chances of being arrested for it, minuscule. Every time I I walk to the gym in the mornings and I don't look like it, I'm aware of that. I walk to the gym in three times a week, maybe, to to the gym. And I, and I walk to the gym, and it's always amazing to me because I, I pass these two guys because I go at exactly the same time. It's, it's 5.45 or something. I pass these guys, and they always smell incredibly strongly of pot. And what's amazing is these two white dudes heading to work, one of them in a suit, one of them not. And I pass them and, and I, I find myself kind of saturated with the, the smell of pot. And, I, and, I, and I'm terrified because I'm thinking now I smell like if anybody smelled this, if the police came around and they do often in this area, if they came around, they would think it's me. And I'd be screwed. What do you say to the people who say, oh, get out of here with that? It's not about race or if she looked any different. And there's a lot of this happening. Rules are rules. Don't break the rules. Oh, f- off with the rules of rules. The rules are rules. That is the most, it, it, that is the most childish approach to this possible. The data is stacked against us, right? Pot is an analgesic. The CBD in combination with THC actually makes it a very powerful pain suppressant. It makes it a strong psychological pain suppressant. It makes it a strong physical pain suppressant. That's what it's good at. What it's not good at is making you run faster. So this is about optics. And you know what I think the IOC should focus on? The optics of putting on games that lose money invariably. 
for the cities that they're in. The optics of putting on games where many of the people who build those arenas in some of the countries that we don't like to talk about end up dying. You know what else? The optics of taking bribes, heads of IOC in different places. The optics of courting people who've just murdered a journalist to put on games. In the context of that, smoking pot because a, a beloved family member dies seems a bit of a distraction technique. Look how noble we are. Look how ethical we are. And the thing is, it tells you who they're trying to target because only some, only a certain type of person thinks that smoking pot makes you a bad person. Only a certain type of person thinks that reputation is, is irrevocably damaged by knowing that someone's taken drugs. That's who they're targeting. It's evil. John, thank you for making the time, sir. Always, As always, time. sweetness and light. Yes, the, it did not, your last word was evil. The last, you were going to, your, your, <laughs> your, your dismount on everything done here was the word evil. And then you try to follow it up with sweetness and light. Sweetness and light. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See you guys. A lot has changed over the years, kind of like who's the best hockey team in Florida. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Miller Lite sparked this debate in 1975, and we still haven't settled it. Right now, the great debate is if my team will make it past the second round. We can find about this all throughout the series, but there's one thing that's for sure. I'll be yelling at all of you while drinking a nice ice-cold can of Miller Lite. It's my preferred light beer when arguing about sports with other people. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, and only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything that you don't need and holds on to what matters most. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right at your door, visit MillerLite.com beach, B-E-A-C-H. Or you can get it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.